عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أوكي سو الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه السلام السلام كثيرا Welcome everybody to the final day of the Dua Challenge and I am so uh, excited and alhamdulillah I've been, been, been seeing and reading your posts over the past couple of days and uh, I'm so uh, thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again this being in this position for all of us myself included everybody uh, as part of the we're all fortunate to be reminded of the importance of making dua <clears throat> we're all fortunate to be simply reminded and remember like i mentioned to you on, on monday that when you know that statement of ibn al-qayyim that when you find yourself being able to make dua you are in a position to do so because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired you simply because he wanted to give Allah wanted to give you, so he inspired you to make dua. Allah wanted to give you, so he inspired you to go on a five-day journey. Allah wanted to give you, so he inspired you. And so this, uh, these days and these moments where we sit and we remember Allah and, and we get a glimpse of, of, of who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, it's, it's worth the world and everything in it. It really is. It's worth the world and everything in it. Where, uh, where we unlearn and we unpackage uh, things that we absorbed about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply because of what Muslims around us were telling us. You know, uh, Sister Razi was reminding me that uh, in, in, in one of the classes, my class, His Majesty on the Names of Allah, I mentioned to them about a, a teacher, an Islamic school teacher, uh, who asked students in the class, how many of you feel like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is angry with you? And this, these were high school kids in an Islamic school. And half the class raised their hands. Half the class raised their hands. And when half the class at an Islamic school feels like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is angry with them, then what is being communicated to them about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And then what is being communicated then to the kids who are in public school about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And so it's just an incredible disservice that we are doing. That's why it's so important that we reflect on what the names of Allah are in the, in the first place. Allah did not choose a single name as denoting his punishment. There's no al-mu'adhib, there's no the punisher. There's, there's no, there's, there's no, you know, even some of those names, by the way, uh, I don't want to go into a tangent, but Allah's names are all beautiful and perfect. Allah's names are beautiful and perfect. It's al-wahhab, the gift giver. I mean, imagine if you had a friend whose nickname was the gift giver. Wouldn't that be like the most popular person in your circle? Wouldn't that be your favorite person? Every time they call you, you answer, right? Their nickname, this is their consistent character is they've got a gift for you. That's what Allah chose to name himself. Al-Razaq, the continuous provider. Al-Jameel, the beautiful. Of course, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Something real quick that's going to blow your mind. Okay, it really is. At the introduction, I need somebody to type this very fast. The introduction of 113 surah of the Quran begins with what? What's the first verse? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Okay, one second here. For those who are worried about Allah's mercy encompassing you. Allah says 113 chapters of the Quran, they begin with Bismillah ar-Rahman. In the name of Allah ar-Rahman, the merciful. So now if you've got a second name to be fit there, you would think that you've covered the attribute of mercy. You should use another, another attribute, right? Like Bismillah Rahman, 
Al-Karim, the perfect, or Al-Jabbar, the mighty. You've covered the attribute of mercy. Now cover something else, right? Al-Sami' the all-hearing. Al-Qadir, the all-able. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Oh my God. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to know this overwhelming mercy that we have, that we experience. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. This is the surah that's introducing him, right? Surah Al-Fatiha. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Just in case you forgot. We are so overwhelmed by mercy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful to us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not send Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam except as what? وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا we only sent you as a mercy to the world, as a manifestation of mercy to the entire world. The Prophet ﷺ told us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala divided mercy into a hundred parts and he sent one onto earth and the other 99 he kept for himself on the day of judgment. And so out of that one share of Allah's mercy that came down to earth, that is from that share, every act of mercy that has ever been experienced on this earth is from that one share. The mercy of a mother for her children, the mercy of an animal, the mercy of everybody to everything is from that one share. And 99. And that's why Imam Ahmed, a man came to him, or a man said to him, Whoever knows Allah, tala husnu. Whoever knows Allah, their sadness is prolonged. Like you become so sad because you know Allah. And Imam Ahmed said, No. He said, Man arif Allah, tala farahu. Whoever knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their happiness is prolonged. Like you're. One of the things that you learn when you learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the things that you experience is you feel incredibly privileged. You feel incredibly thankful that I am the servant, that I am the creation of such a beautiful and perfect master. You just feel so overwhelmed with, with love and beauty and thankfulness and privilege that when everybody else is going out into this world and they're worshiping whatever it is that they're worshiping, that you're worshiping Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Al-Malik, Al-Quddus, Al-Salam, Al-Mu'min, Al-Muhaymin. And when everybody else is following whatever path they're following, you're following Islam. And when everybody else is taking whoever they're taking as a role model, you are following Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You feel that sweetness. And hence the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says in the hadith reported by a Muslim, that, per that person has tasted the sweetness of faith. You taste the sweetness of faith. Who? Whoever is pleased with Allah as their Lord. And with Islam as their religion. And with Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as his servant and messenger. Oh Allah, we are pleased with you. Be pleased with us. Oh Allah, we are pleased with you. Be pleased with us. Okay, now I am. Uh, I've been juggling what names should we go over in this session, and there are just so many that I want to go over with you all. But uh, let's, as for time, we'll go over two that I think have opposite meanings that are complementary. By opposite meanings, I mean opposite fruits that are complementary. And the first one is al karim. Al karim, karam. You ask any Arabic-speaking person, what does karam mean? And it, they'll tell you that it means generosity. Generosity. But karam is actually bigger than simply generosity. Karam is the perfection of attributes. Karam is the perfection of attributes. And so anyone who has perfected attributes, that's why a noble person is translated as karim, because the person didn't become noble except because of them perfecting a number of attributes. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls Al-Quran Kareem. A person once asked me, they said, how is the Quran generous? I said, what do you mean? He said, Al-Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls it Kareem. And I said, no, Kareem doesn't mean generous. Kareem means perfect attributes. So the Quran is a book of perfect attributes. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Kareem. He is the one with perfect attributes. But let's talk about generosity because there are other names that manifest other perfect attributes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's generosity when you are asking Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's generosity is one that manifests in so many ways. Number one, he is the one who loves to give. You know, there are some people who nothing makes them happier than giving. This is how they, they enjoy sneaking away from the table at the restaurant and pretending to go wash their hands and going and paying the bill. Like they're not doing it out of obligation. They're not doing it. They're doing it because they enjoy that. It makes them happy. It makes them happy to spend on people. There are some people who are like that, okay? And if you know any of those people, uh, you know, introduce me, inshallah. <laughs> I, I promised myself that I wouldn't make, I wouldn't start to make those corny sheikh jokes, man. But here I am. Astaghfirullah May Allah forgive me. Anyway, so these people are, uh, they love to give. And there is no one who loves to give more than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is Al-Kareem. He is Al-Kareem. Uh, one poet, one time he was praising a king and he said, he said he he's praising this king, but the king of kings is more deserving of this praise. He says, this person is so used to extending his hands that if he were to try to go like this, his own fingers wouldn't know how to do it. When you come to him, you see him overjoyed as if you are granting him what you are asking for. They're so excited that when you come to ask them for $500, it's like you're giving them $500. And then he says, and if there was nothing within his own breast except for his own soul, he would give it. So let the one who is asking him fear Allah. Like you have to be the one to exercise caution. You're the one who has to say no. You're the one who has to exercise restraint because when you ask this person, they don't know how to restrain themselves, right? Incredible generosity. Number two, the second manifestation of Al-Kareem is the one who gives and then praises. Allah gives and then he praises. Allah is the one who gives us. And then he praises us when we do with those things that he gives us what he loves. So Allah calls Ibrahim in the Quran awwab. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls uh, Maryam siddiqa in the Quran. Allah praises so many of the prophets and the believers for their righteousness and their taqwa and all of these types of things. And the question becomes who gave, who gave Ibrahim those characteristics in the first place? Who gave Maryam those characteristics in the first place? Who gave the, the, the believers perseverance and patience and iman in the first place? It is Allah. But Allah, out of his generosity, he will give you and then he will praise you for having what he gave you. It's like the teacher who teaches you what you know and then praises you for learning. The, the, the parent who, who teaches you and then praises you for absorbing, who raises you and then praises you for those qualities that they gave you in the first place, right? That is a manifestation of generosity. Then you have the other teacher, the teacher who teaches what you know and then says, oh, you wouldn't, all the time, they're saying, you wouldn't know anything if it wasn't for me. You wouldn't know anything. About, that's, not, that's not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's manifestation of generosity. Allah praises you for the qualities that he has. And then look what Allah rewards you with. He rewards you for Jannah when he's the one who gave you all of those qualities in the first place. You are simply rotating 
in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's generosity and in his mercy and in his grace. Number three is that he is the one who gives before being asked. We have to remember that 99.9, like we're stressing out over du'a over five days and all of that type of stuff, but we're engaging and, and this is all incredibly important, but we also need to realize that the vast majority of the blessings that you and I experience, these heartbeats that I have, more, the breaths that I'm taking right now, the places that... I, Every, the, the risk that I receive, all of that are things that we don't even ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. Maybe the initiation, you know, on day number one, right? On day number one, we're begging Allah to get the job. But then after that, you start getting a paycheck and you're not asking Allah anymore, right? You're expecting that paycheck now. You're not asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah gives without being asked. And one of the concepts that's really, really important as we learn the names of Allah and it, and it manifests in dua as well, is that one of the things that you want to do with the names of Allah is you try as best as you can to fulfill their human manifestations. There's a beautiful statement of the scholars that says, Adorn yourselves with the characteristics of God. Adorn yourselves with the manifestation of these attributes in their, in their, in their human form, of course. There are very few names that become imperfect when they are manifested in a human capacity. But the vast majority of them, right now, if we go through the list, you'll see that the Prophet ﷺ is the most generous. He's the most merciful. He's the most loving, right? And so with regards to your own generosity, I can be generous with my praise, of course. I can, I can compliment people. I can compliment my family members. I can praise people when they do things that I love for them to see or that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves for them to see. I can, I can try to anticipate people's needs. Right now we're in a global pandemic. Maybe I have a job, but my, I have friends who are out of work. And so if I have the ability to anticipate their needs, so before I see their launch good page or their GoFundMe page or what have you, or before, right? That I, I remove from them the, the, the necessity or the indignity of asking as best as I can, right? Just like Allah provides for me without me asking that I try to anticipate people's needs and I provide for them without them asking. Number four, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-kareem, the one who does not reject an asker. The Prophet وسلم, in the hadith of Salman al-Farisi, he says that your Lord is hayyun kareem. Your Lord is shy and generous. He is too shy that if a servant raises their hands to him, that he allows for those hands to go back down empty, humiliated. And so one of the etiquettes of dua is that you raise your hand and you recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not reject an asker, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, number five, is that Allah also gives more than what he has asked. If you ask, Allah gives us all of this without us asking him. Allah gives us all of this without us asking. What do you think he's going to do with you and me when we ask him, when we beg, when we implore, when we are in constant conversation, when we repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we give in charity, when we do all of these things, what do you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to do with you and I? Allah is the most generous of those who give, and he is the most merciful of those who ask. I heard this dua also from Shaykh Salah al-Sawi a lot. He would say, Allahumma annaka innaka arhamu man su'i wa akramu man a'ta. Oh Allah, you are the most merciful of those who are asked, and the most generous of those who give. Now, the fruit that I want you to know from this name, okay? And this is my, my famous, this is my famous story, okay? But I want you to know from this name that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because he is the most generous, there is nothing that is too small for him to be asked for. 
because he loves to give. This isn't someone that you're interacting with where, oh, I only want to ask him for the big things. No, I want you to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the most, for the smallest things. Okay. I'll share with you the story of some friends of mine in a far off galaxy. Okay. This story, uh, years ago now, we were in the masjid on one day and I had a friend of mine who had created a basketball league for young people. So he was looking to do something great in the community and he was always very invested and one of the greatest people in our community. And he took an initiative to create a basketball league for some, for some youth. And he wanted something for them to keep them off of the streets. It's, you know, it's the city life. Kids can get into a lot of trouble. Even if you do something to occupy them just one night on the weekend, I mean, you might be saving them from a lot. And so, mashallah, he planned, he executed, and it was a huge success. Okay, it was a huge success. That first night, it was multiple teams, kids got together, they played basketball, they had a great time, and uh, they're all teenagers. And the night was soured. That night was soured by a uh, announcement. One kid comes running up and says that I went back to my bag in the lockers and I found that my phone was stolen. Another person comes up and says, my phone was stolen too. Another person says, my phone was stolen too. Six phones, six iPhones were stolen. And my friend ended up being, I mean, he was furious. How dare some punk kid take advantage of the purity of this event, right? The, the effort that we put in, take advantage of this by going and stealing these kids' cell phones. Like, do you know how hard it is for us to get them here in the first place? And then, and then someone goes and, and does something like boneheaded like this. And so he was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to find them. Well, he didn't have to look far because the next day on, on Craigslist, and for those of you who are not in the United States, I'm not sure if it's outside, but Craigslist is basically, it's, a, it's an online advertising website. And so you advertise whatever it has in your own locality, selling and buying stuff. And so he finds uh, locally six iPhones uh, up for sale. And so he, you know, offers to buy and he creates a, uh, a what's it called? A, a meeting rendezvous with the seller. And I remember being at the masjid at Asr time and I'm just sitting there in the musalla and my friend walks in and he says to me, he walks up to me, he's like, you know, we found the, the seller and we're going to go, uh, we're going to go meet him. Do you want to come? And I said, no, but have fun. Okay. And uh, he goes out and he find, uh, he's got two cars with him and I'm, I'm going to change all of their names. But one of them, uh, one of them is a, a 19 year old kid. Let's say his name is uh, Hamza. Okay. And Hamza is, is uh, outside. He's 19 and he's just, he just happened to be hanging out in front of the masjid. Right. And they're like, yo, Hamza, you want to, you want to come? And he's like, sure. And he doesn't know where they're going, but he just jumps in. And they figured Hamza was the only one who wasn't a part of that event. And so they figured, they said, you know, Hamza, you go. And the meeting point was a hotel in a, in a city nearby. And they said, you go to uh, the lobby and you go meet with him because he won't recognize your face. And then just tell him to come outside. And Hamza's like, cool, that's the plan. You know, he's down. And so he gets out of the car, he goes and he meets the kid and then he, he brings him out. And when he brings him out, these guys get out. And obviously the jig is up, uh, kid's been caught, 
and they're giving him a, you know, a, a really elongated uh, lecture and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they put him in the car. He ends up being a 16 year old kid. They put him in the car and they're, they're driving. And one of the, uh, one of the, the, uh, let's say his name is, let's say his name is uh, Jabir. Okay. Jabir is a, he's a hot tempered kid. And Jabir says to them, he says to the security guard, what is it to you? You're not even a cop. And the guy's like, oh, okay. Okay, I'm not a cop. All right. So he, he actually calls the cops. These guys, meanwhile, they, they drive off. They didn't know that he called the cops. They drive off. And this guy calls the cops. And the next thing they know, these two cars were swarmed by police. Okay. And for those of you who are in the, and everybody get out, all of that. And for those of you who are in the UK and Canada and elsewhere, uh, the police in the United States is not like your police, okay? They don't tell you to get out of the car and then give you a hug and tickle you and let you go, okay? The, you know, this is American police, okay? It's a little bit more dramatic. And so everybody out of the car, everybody laying on the, on the, on the ground. And uh, it turned out, obviously, the kid is 16 years old. These guys get arrested. Uh, they get put in front of a judge. Literally, the 16-year-old becomes the victim, they get put in front of a judge and they weren't going to do anything to him. I mean, these are the best guys in our community. These are, you know, kids from the masjid and stuff like that. And, and they're not kids even like there's some of them are young, but there's some, some older, wiser brothers there. You know, that's not, nothing. they're getting their phones back and they're going to give him a, a reminder and, you know, teach him not to, to do stuff like that again. You know, um, it was uncomfortable, obviously, but he's not going to get hurt. But legally, if you take a, 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 a minor, right, if you take him an inch, outside of their capacity or beyond their will or what have you, what is that called? That's called kidnapping, right? And so these guys are, are brought in front of a judge and I don't remember what the detail was, but for some reason, the judge just didn't wanna hear what they had to say at that particular moment. And so everybody gets put at $1 million bill, $1 million. Now, by the time we pray Isha at the masjid, okay? We're hearing that these brothers were arrested that bail is $1 million. Like, it's just like, what happened? How did it escalate this bad? Anyway, these guys are put into some cells and the, the, the wristbands that they receive in prison are color-coded, okay? It depends on your bail level. And so when they got red wristbands, they're walking into prison and the other prisoners are like, what did y'all do? It's like six you know, young Muslims walking into prison. And they're like, what did y'all do? And anyway, they get put uh, in, in the prison cells, two in each cell. And um, obviously you're just completely shaken, right? And, and Jabir, he himself is probably like 20, 21 years old at the time. He's put in a cell with, with the brother who started the entire league and the, the older brother for them. His name is, is you know, Hashim. And Hashim is uh, in, in the room. He's in, he's in the cell with Jabir. And, you know, they're, they're, Hashim says to Jabir, Jabir is, you know, overwhelmed and he, and they're all overwhelmed, but, you know, he's got his younger brother in here, in there with him, his young brother. And he says to him, he's like, listen, in moments like this, when you feel so, at, it's out of your control. Like, I mean, one minute you're outside and the next minute you're in prison and it's $1 million bill and you don't, and you've got school and you've got parents and you've got all this that you're worried about. He said, this is the best time for you to make God. So let's pray. And they prayed together. And he said, when you're 
when you know when you're in sujood, that's when you're closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So pray in that moment. And so he said, okay. And they prayed Dhuhr together. And after the salah, Hashim looks at Jabir and he says to him, What did you make duha for? What did you make duha for? In this moment where you're so overwhelmed and you're so scared and you're so worried, what did you make duha for? And Jabir looked at him and he said, I made duha for an Italian cheeseburger. An Italian cheeseburger. You're in prison. This is what you made duha for? Hashim's like, I'm going to kill you. What do you mean you're praying for? A cheeseburger? Right? He's like, that's what came into my heart in that moment. I made duha for a cheeseburger. <laughs> that's what I wanted. Meanwhile, so this is like this is like a, a few days later, day one or day two. But meanwhile, on the outside, what's been happening? We've been mobilizing everybody. The entire community has been moving and shaking, and everybody who's got a connection anywhere is obviously it's a huge mistake and misunderstanding. And the kid himself who had stolen the the, the phones, his parents had come to the masjid and they're dropping all charges. They're super embarrassed that their kid, you know, did that. And you know, lawyers are being hired and all of these types of things. Everybody who's got a connection is using that connection. And so one of, uh, you know, one of the, the community, one of the brothers from the community, he has a, he, he was an auxiliary cop. He was a volunteer cop. And so he had some connections at the precinct at the, at the prison. And he reaches out to one of them and he says, you know, we've got some, some kids who, 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 got, who got locked up recently. It's a huge misunderstanding. Uh, please look out for them and take care of them. Now we flash back to the cell. Hashim and Jabir are sitting in the cell and Jabir had just confessed that he made dua for an Italian cheeseburger. They see a prison guard at their door, at the cell door. He's carrying a bag and he comes to them and he says, your friend, our mutual friend so-and-so called me and he told me that it's just a big misunderstanding and he told me to look out for y'all. So, and he gives them the bag. While they're sitting there, they open up the bag and what do they see? A cheeseburger and fries. A cheeseburger and fries. So Hashim takes the fries. An Italian cheeseburger is, a, is, is, is the fries in the burger. So Hashim takes the fries, he puts them in the burger and he gives it to Jabir. They said that when they saw their du'as being answered in real time, just like that, they were like, they felt so consoled. They knew that they were going to get out of this. Like Allah is hearing our du'as, accepting our du'as, manifesting our du'as, everything in this moment, even the smallest thing, that cheeseburger that we're praying for, right? Then we knew that we were getting out. And it wasn't but a number of days. They actually stood in front of the judge and then, alhamdulillah, their bail was dropped to, you know, a fraction. And, you know, later on, all of the files or the charges were dropped and all of that. Alhamdulillah, they got out of jail within a couple of days. Right. But that experience and that manifestation, your du'as being accepted, even if they're small, there is nothing too small to make du'a for to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it comes to your heart, that's what Jabir did. It came to his heart and he prayed for it. Oh, I want a burger. Right? And it was manifested. I love that story very much. But the thing that I love the most about this story, every time that I tell it, every single time that I tell it, the thing that I love the most when I remember that story and the thing that I am thankful for the most is that I didn't go with them. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that I, I'm thankful of the most. But 
nothing is too small for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing is too small for you to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, that is a fruit of a name al-kareem. Why? Because you're dealing with al-kareem. You're dealing with the one who loves to give, who loves to give. Now, if I can flip that, there is nothing that is too big to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is a manifestation of Allah's name, al-kabir. And al-kabir comes in a number of places in the Quran, and it is paired frequently with al-ali. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inna Allah kana aliyan kabira. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is high and Allah is kabir. Kabir means big, large, great, grandiose. Okay, grand. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is, is great. And there is nothing that is too big to ask Allah. Again, that hadith of Abu Dhar is so powerful. The Prophet sallallahu says in that hadith al-Qudsi, Ya ibn Adam, law anna awwalakum wa akhirakum wa insakum wa jinnakum qamu ala sa'idin wahid. If the first of you and the last of you and the jinn of you and the ins of you, human of you, all of you stood on a single plane at the same time, basically at the same time. And I gave every single one of them what they asked for. I gave every single one of them what they asked for. Every single human being, every person dreamed and imagined and their wildest imaginations were requested. Allah said that would not take away from what I have The only thing that it would take away is what a needle would take away from an ocean So why aren't we asking him? Why aren't we asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Again, one of the things that Shaykh Muhammad is always talking about is we don't allow for ourselves what we allow for other people We don't allow that other people We allow it for other people, we don't allow it for ourselves So we allow for other people to have that really nice car and that fantastic relationship with their parents and we allow for other people to have uh, health and we allow for other people to have whatever it is right we allow for them to have these incredible things but we don't ask them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we don't see ourselves as deserving guess what if it came to being deserving they wouldn't deserve it too if it was about deserving nobody deserves what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants and gives them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deals with all of us through his mercy and his grace. But we should ask for that mercy and we should ask for that grace. Al-Kabir, nothing is too big for Allah. Nothing is too big for Allah. Now this, I met a man who told me a story about his mother. Shaykh Ta'ala. The first time I met him, I met him in Houston. For those of you who are from Houston, you know him or you might know him. And the first time I met him, he pulled me into his office and you know, he's Sudanese also. So we had the Sudanese connection. And so he just, you know, he started telling me his, his story. And he was telling me about his, uh, he, he mentioned in passing that his mother lived in Medina and he's going on talking about something else. And I'm like, hold on a second here, hold pause. Your mom lives in Medina. Like I, I've never met anybody whose mom lives in Medina. You know, I've met people who are students in Medina. I've met families who live in Medina, but just to say your, your mom lives in Medina, it's kind of weird. How did that happen? And so when I asked him that, he just shook his head. He's sitting across the desk from me. He just shook his head. And he was like, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. My mother, my father died when, when we were young. And he said, my mother raised us a single mother. He said, my mother would make dua to live in Medina since we were children, 
we grew up thinking that it was one of the adhkar you're supposed to make after salah. Oh Allah, allow me to live in Medina. Oh Allah, allow me to live in Medina. He said, that's what we thought. He said, but when we grew up, we started to challenge this constant dua that we would hear from our mother. Oh Allah, allow us to live in Medina. Oh Allah, allow me to live in Medina. And we we're like, mom, you know, when you become like a teenager and you become a young adult, you start challenging your parents on things, challenging your mom, challenging your dad. You think you know stuff. She said, we started challenging her. We're like, mom, what is this dua that you've been making for like 15 years? you're not going to live in Medina. Like your, your kids live here. And he said that whenever we would pressure her, like, how are you going to live in Medina? What job are you going to get? Whenever we would pressure her, she would say, leave me alone. Is it too big for Allah? Leave me alone. Is it too big for Allah? And she'd always shut them up like that. He said, my mom had a fourth grade education, but she knew more about Allah than all of us. Fast forward a couple of decades. Now the kids are all middle-aged. They've got their own families. They've got their own children. She's a, a grandma many times over by now. And one of their sons, you know, like a lot of people do with their families that when, they're, when their kids grow up a little bit, they wanna up, you, you wanna take them to their country of origin and let them absorb their roots a little bit and learn their native languages and things like that. He said one of his, his, his brothers wanted to move back to Sudan. And so his mom said, I'm going to right away. She's like, I'm going to. And they're like, mom, what are you talking about moving to Sudan? Like, there's no healthcare system there. She's advanced in age now. She needs her doctors and her, 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 her medicine. And she, she needs her support system. You can't just move to Sudan. And then she's like, oh, don't worry. I'm not moving to Sudan. I'm moving to Medina. But Sudan is a lot closer. And so <laughs> she moves with her son, right? His brother, she moves to Sudan. And as soon as she lands in Sudan, right? She's gotten this close now. She's like, let's go to Umrah. Let's go to Umrah. Let's go to Umrah. Let's go to Umrah. And so his brother gets tickets for them to go to Umrah. When they get to Jeddah airport, they are shocked to find that their visas, for some reason, were no good. It was either counterfeit or it was expired or it was a bad visa or something like something was wrong with it and they weren't allowed entry and the guy at passport control they said was so harsh to them to this elderly lady and to this uh son of hers and he said to them if it wasn't for the fact that this lady is so elderly i would have put you on the first flight back he was just being very very rude very aggressive and so his mother he said his mother went off to the side and she did the only thing that she can do. And she did the greatest thing that she could do. She just went off to the side and she made dua. Like, oh, I'm so close. Say, oh, make a way. And they said, a man showed up with the most pleasant face and the most beautiful countenance. And he came to them and he said, what's going on? And they said, this is our issue. This is our, our visas. This is our, we didn't intend any of this. We, we thought we were coming. And he said, he took, he took their passports and he stamped it. And he said, enjoy your, your umrah. Now we flash back to this gentleman shaking his head still, looking in front of me. And he said, my mother has been living in Medina ever since. She got to Medina, she just stayed. And my brother's staying with her. And the rest of her kids, all we're doing is we're financing their stay in Medina and financing her, her dream of living in Medina. She never, she never left. I remember the year he told me that. And I remember the next year 
we heard, we received the news of, of her passing away in Medina. And you didn't know whether to give him condolences or whether to congratulate because that was her dream. How many, how many decades had gone by when she's making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to live in Medina? This is what she wanted. And even as it became more and more distant, that's what's so beautiful about this story to me. Even as it's becoming more and more distant, she's not getting closer. She's becoming more established. Now she's got, her kids are grown and now she's got grandkids and now she's older and now she more, she's more in need of residing in the United States. But maybe we'll, we'll get to talking about the name of Allah, Al-Qadir, the one who's able to do all things because what Al-Qadir does, there are two names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I consider to be keys that unlock every other name. There are two names that I want you to write down. This is a key. It unlocks every other name. Number one is al-mujib, the one who responds. Because like we mentioned on Monday, you're not going to ask someone if you don't think that they're going to respond. So this name, al-mujib, unlocks every other name. And number two is al-qadir. Al-qadir is the able. Why? Because al-qadir, you're not going to ask someone who you don't think is able. Anytime you're scrolling through your, your contacts list on your phone, you're looking for these two qualities. If you have something that you need to get done, you're looking at two qualities. You're looking at, is this person going to respond to me? If they're not going to respond, then I'm going to scroll through them to somebody who will respond. And number two, is this person able to do whatever it is that I want? And if they're not able to do it, even if they are going to respond, I don't need that person, right? You're looking for those two qualities. These two keys unlock every other name. Number one, Al-Mujib. And number two, Al-Qadir. This woman, she knew that Allah was Qadir. And she knew that Allah was Kabir. She knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this request that she's making is not too big for Allah. Her kids knew one thing and she knew something completely different. And she recognized that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was able to do it. And so she passed away in Medina and the Prophet وسلم, said that whoever of you has the ability to pass away in Medina, then let them pass in, away in Medina because... I will intercede on behalf of those who pass away in Medina. And that's what she wanted. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote it for her, her consistent dua. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu used to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he died as a martyr in the city of the Prophet. And his daughter Hafsa would say, how are you going to die in, in, in Medina? Medina is the safest city in the world. Like all of the battles are happening in the frontier lands. They're happening in Asham. They're happening in Iraq. That's where the armies are. That's where the, that's where the battles are happening. How are you going to die as a martyr? Like you can die in Medina, sure. But how are you going to die as a martyr in Medina? But that's what Umar anhu wanted. The Prophet وسلم, told him that he would be a martyr. But the Prophet وسلم, never told Umar where he would die. And so Umar wanted to be a martyr in the city of the Prophet and he was martyred in the city. You know how it's going to happen. And the people around you don't know how it's going to happen. You know, I just a couple of minutes before I, I went on uh, live now, uh, I was, uh, you know, the sister had messaged me from a, a podcast called Honest Tea Talk in, in, uh, in the UK, right? And it's a very popular podcast. MashaAllah, sisters are doing a, a great job on their, on their podcast, you know, hundreds of thousands of views. And I said to her, you know, I would love to have you on a podcast also and just ask you how you developed a podcast like this. Like, how did you, how did you emerge through, you know, all of the, the noise and, and create a, something of such quality that you have such an incredible audience, right? This is, and she responded to me. She simply said, all I did was make dua. She was like, that's all I did. She was like, all I did was make dua. 
I made dua for it to happen and it happened. And I was like, that's the even better answer than what I was expecting, right? But this notion of asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's, why can't you have a podcast that has millions of, of, of views or millions of followers? Why can't you have a business that is doing incredible? Why can't you have a, 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 family, a family life? Why can't you accomplish things in your life that are incredibly blessed? Why can't you do that? Why you, you yourself and me, why not? Why not? And so asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you're asking Allah, there's nothing that's too big for Allah. And number three, the last name, I know I'm being greedy, but I just want to share one last name with you uh, very quickly, inshallah ta'ala, and then we'll wrap up. Because we, we did talk about Al-Qadir a little bit. Al-Qadir means the able. And in over 30 verses in the Quran, over 30 places in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna Allah ala kulli shayin qadir. Wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir. Wallahu ala kulli shayin qadir. Allah is able to do all things. Allah is able to do, he is able to do all things. Okay, this, this phrase repeats and repeats and repeats in the Quran. Al-Qadir is a name that reminds us that when something begins to become so distant, right? That star that you want becomes so distant and, and its light flickers so dimly that you start to think to yourself, maybe I should stop asking for it now. Maybe I should stop asking for it, right? You have that hesitation. I've been praying for something for so long. Al-Qadir is the name that reminds you to continue to do it. It's the name that infused with the belief. Allah does not say that he's able to do some things. Allah says that he will be able to do all things. And I, I love that dua of Zakariya at the beginning of Surah Maryam. He begins to list all of the reasons why he shouldn't be able to have a child. He says, My bones are frail and my hair is white and my wife is barren. Like every reason why I shouldn't be able to have a child is present and accounted for. They're all here, Ya Rab. Everything is here, so grant me a child. Grant me a child. And of course, when it comes to the question of, of, of stopping, right? If it comes to the question of stopping, do you think that Zakaria, the first idea ever he had of having a child is when he reached that advanced age like that's when he started to think i should have a child ya rab grab me a child or had this been something that zakaria had been praying for so long for throughout his youth into his senior years now in advanced old age now when his bones are frail and his hair is white and his wife is barren but he says what Oh my word, I never lose when I make dua to you. I never lose when I make dua to you. you know, when that, when you're making those duas that are so powerful because it's a, such a, a power, a, a real desire for you, whether it's for whether it's for children or whether it's for marriage or whether it's for safety or whether it's for healing or whatever it is, right? These things that are so painful to us. These du'as, I don't believe you should ever stop them because as long as those emotions are there, those may be the greatest acts of worship that you ever offer in your life. You don't lose when you make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? If, if my, my objective is to worship Allah, these pains that I have could be the greatest experiences of worship that I ever offer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
much more powerful than any fast, much more powerful than any charity that I give calmly and it's not really hurting me, any charity, right? These things that you are presenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these complaints, these, these emotions, this crying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes. And so Al-Qadir, right? And, and, the, and the importance of allowing for yourself what you don't allow, what you allow for other people as well, what you allow for other people as well. And I have that last story. I shared it in my live yesterday, but it, 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 I'll share it now again with you. It's, it's uh, one of my favorite stories with Sheikh Walid with regards to dua. And Sheikh Walid, when I say Walid, I mean Sheikh Walid Bastuni. Uh, years and years and years ago, we were in uh, Central Park here in Manhattan, in New York. And Central Park is some of the best real estate in the city. And the apartments that overlook Central Park are like the best real estate. You've got an apartment overlooking Central Park, you're talking about millions of dollars. And so we're in the park and I'm showing him these apartments and this is this and this is that. And, you know, he kind of, kind of hears the, the, I, I don't know, I guess the, I won't say longing in my voice, but he, he might've heard like some sort of like uh, being impressed, right? In my voice. And so he just stops, right? We're just taking a stroll through the park and he just stops and he goes, Ahmad, would you like to have an apartment overlooking Central Park? course yeah like that's the dream like who wouldn't want something like that and so he just stops right then he starts raising his hands he starts making the oh Allah grant Ammar a park overlooking Central Park grant Ammar and he's making this beautiful dua and I'm standing there and I just say I mean or what else am I going to say right and when he's done I'm like I mean and then we continue walking and then he stops again and then he looks at me he goes Ammar when you said I mean did you really believe that Allah was going to give you a a uh, apartment overlooking Central Park. Did you really believe Allah was going to give it to you? And I said, to be honest, Sheikh, no. I mean, I'm honest. No, I didn't think. And he was like, that's why you're not going to get it. Then he keeps walking. I was just like, man. But he's he's absolutely right, right? Like, why wouldn't I imagine that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could grant me that? I mean, he granted it to other people as well, right? He, he gave them. It's all from their risk. It's all, it's all from from the risk that he provides. And so if he provided for them, he can provide for you and he can provide for me. So allowing for others, allowing for yourself what you allow for others. And so uh, with that, inshallah ta'ala, I will conclude this session and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you all and to bless your families and to grant you tawfiq in this life and the next and to grant you goodness in this life and to grant you goodness in the hereafter and to protect you all from the hellfire. And I look forward to joining uh, as well as taking visionary, inshallah ta'ala. I'm really excited about taking the decade journey. Uh, I got a lot that I want to get accomplished in the next decade, and I'm excited on joining the team, inshallah ta'ala, uh, and, and, and listening and you know, going through my dream du'as as well. I need to revamp my dream du'as because a, a good amount of them, alhamdulillah, have, have manifested and actualized better than I would have ever imagined. And so uh, looking forward to it. Jazakum khair, everybody.